The Happy Zen Podcast is fueled by Deadly Grounds Coffee. With so many delicious blends to choose from, it's simply the best tasting coffee for the living or the dead. Get Deadly at www.deadlygroundscoffee.ca and tell them we sent you by using the promo code HAPPYZEN, that's H-A-P-P-Y-X-E-N, at checkout to get a killer 15% off your entire order. And now, on to the show. Some said they couldn't do it. Even more said they probably shouldn't. But here they are, bringing you another episode of the Happy Zen Podcast. Welcome your hosts, Adam and Matt. So I'm going to start somewhere completely different tonight. Completely different. I thought we had a plan. Okay, go on. <clears throat> Caught me midway through a drink. Well, just it's just as part of our intro of nothingness that we tend to have. Mm-hmm. I, I experienced taco pizza tonight. Okay, explain. Domino's has a taco pizza. They have, oh. two, they have two feature pizzas, okay? And I almost was able to convince the family to, to get the, the second pizza, but we went with the first one. So the first one was taco pizza, which was like basically taco seasoning, three different types of cheese, um, ground beef, and uh, peppers and tomatoes. And it was, it was pretty good. The, the three cheeses actually was a little too much, to be honest with you. And I never thought you could say that about cheese, okay? Uh, but anyways, not bad. The pizza I wanted to order, but no one was game for it, was the cheeseburger pizza, which was ground beef, two types of cheese, bacon, and then for sauce, it was ketchup and mustard. Oof. Yeah, I know. That was what made it tempting, um, but that's also what made everybody else in the house say no. Yeah, the ketchup and mustard, that might be going too far, I although I... I'm sure I've seen cheeseburger pizza, like pizza pizza or something before, but I don't remember it having ketchup and mustard. I know. I, I was game for it. I was willing to get a small pizza because there was a coupon for it. It would have been like six bucks. I'm like, that's a $6 investment. That's not bad. And uh, It's worth tried, a shot. Yeah, for six bucks? Fuck. Yeah. You know? I uh, couldn't get anybody to do it, though. So, needless to say. Anyways. Living live the dream. But I also had the awesome positive like i have to talk about positive things right now because we're going into a horrific space probably um uh, also an awesome experience with food delivery recently um i've had a couple like crap experiences where they stuff was forgotten okay mm-hmm. so it was like, yeah. oh, frustrating and tonight i got a complete extra order of wings that i never ordered <laughs> so it's just oh and i'm sure you called the restaurant back and told them that they can come back and get their food right so here's the thing no hmm. um <laughs> No, the reason I'm saying this... Still waiting for my wings. Hmm. I I have had things... They were good. I have had things forgotten. And that when I called the store, they said, hey, next time, just remind us. Yeah, yeah. I had that. Yeah, and so that didn't work because I actually tried that a week later. Because, hey, listen, during COVID, your things are pretty consistent. So pizza nights once a week. So I called back and said, hey, remember those... um, Pastry, dippy things. I know. I knew the name. Trust me. Not not like this. Um, sure. The pizza pizza has those um, 
pastry dippy things. Thank you very much. No, I thought, yeah, I thought you were actually going to give me the answer, and I was so prepared to thank you. Uh, it, it's the um, – Oh my God! What is that thing that everyone eats at Canada's Wonderland that you put ice cream and and strawberries on? And it, oh, now it, I know, and I'm just not telling you. <laughs> you're you're an asshole. Help me. Starts with funnel. Okay, funnel. So the funnel fry. So they had like these funnel fry yeah. things, and so I, I I had an order in there. They didn't show up. I phoned Pizza Pizza, and then when I eventually got a hold of somebody, they acknowledged, "Yeah, you didn't get them." <laughs> okay. <laughs> Thank well, you. Okay, so um, can you just next time you order, tell them you didn't get them? I'm like, no, you you probably need to do something now because there's no way a week from now that's going to fly, right? I said, if if that's the case, I'm going to say that every time I order something. Yeah. Oh yeah, he says he says to me, that's a good point. As if as if that was a new idea to this guy. Anyways, um, needless to say, I still have yet to have those items. And the week, two weeks previous to that, I did not get wings. So the pizza gods have responded through Domino's, a different company altogether, and I got some free wings. So, you know, karma's cool. Karma goes around, you know. So every time I order, I should be like, oh, also, the last time we ordered, we did not get a large pizza, and I was told to tell you that, and you're just going to give me one. Apparently. Apparently. Okay. But I think that's a beautiful segue when we talk about karma, what goes around comes around, as we segue into maybe our talking points for tonight. I, I mean, I I thought I only had one topic, but I could be completely wrong. Uh, but I assume, are you talking about today's news? <laughs> okay, folks, today's January 8th, 2021. No, it's March 228th, 2020. <laughs> what I was going to say is, even when someone says today's news, <laughs> right now, you have to go, that doesn't narrow it down. Yeah, because there is just... Hour by hour, country by well, a couple countries by country, just shit cascading on top of shit, depending what you're looking at and what you're looking for. So I'm going to need you to narrow that down a little bit. Hey, I came here for an innocent, honest to goodness conversation about the Mandalorian season two. I don't know what you're talking about. Okay. I thought we were talking about the complete collapse of the Republican party and the attack of democracy and the second time only since the Canadians have burned down the capital of the United States. I thought you might be going there. I mean, at this point, by the time everybody hears this, it's going to be, it's a well-known topic. By the time everybody hears this, something worse is going to have happened. Uh, Let's hope not. My favorite point, and I'm not going to spend too much time on the 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 perfect culmination of this guy's four years as president, by the way, which I think the only thing they didn't do, which I kind of thought they were going to do, is I thought they were going to burn their own capital down. I really thought, like by to this conversation tonight, we would be talking about how they tried to burn that building down. I really did. I honest to God did. And then I was like, man the Canadian memes that are going to come out about us doing that first. But anyways, um, it didn't happen. They didn't do it yet. Yet. I use the word yet because I still feel slightly suspicious that if their um, czar, dictator, whatever fucking nut job, um, when they go to remove him before his next two weeks, which they're going to make all the effort to do so, and if they're successful in doing that, I think that's a tipping point for these nut jobs to really go right off the rockers. So like part of me says, let the guy ride the two weeks out on the golf course he's residing on right now. Because if you do and do these things, people may die. 
because people have already died and more people may die. Um, so anyways, that's, that's the, the conversation piece I was kind of alluding to. Yeah. And just for the record, we're not necessarily making light of what happened in the sense of obviously there was people that got hurt and there was people that died. It's we're at the point where if you can't find any humor in something, we're just going to break down and cry at this point. Like things are just so I, I, just I, so I, fucked up. So, I mean, I, 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 just don't take it when it isn't. We're yeah, just I, I'm going to say we're making light of it because it's kind of a generational thing that we do. We've, we've been sarcastic since birth as our generation, and this is how we cope with shit. And I'll be honest with you, exactly how I cope with this. And for once, I would actually say, if it wasn't for social media, I firmly believe the actions of this week would have been worse. I actually really think that. If they didn't, in the back of their minds, know that they were being watched and it was being recorded, I fundamentally believe that would have been way worse. Uh, and, and you I know, know they were I, recording themselves, right? Yes, but I also think that comes with a bit of showmanship and idi- like the idiosyncrasies that they were operating with. You know, they're putting the performance on a little bit more. But I think it kept the situation light because they were doing it as a uh, as they were mocking the system. I think if you take the camera and the lens away, I think it begets spiteful and more rage without that lens on it. And, and that was, I really do believe that. I think there was, there was showmanship in there that kept it as, hence the costumes, hence, hence the, the elements of how they took themselves there was to put on a show. If there wasn't the show element, I firmly believe it would have been really bad. Yeah, but you could also argue without social media, they probably yes. wouldn't have gathered the way they did and as fast as they did. I was only grateful for social media at the point when they walked through the front doors when the police let them in. Whole different issue, by the way. But Oh, I mean, the, the police should have no problem arresting these people. They're all on camera. They're all in their faces are shown. And they took photos of themselves breaking the law repeatedly. And before Trump had his Twitter account canceled, finally, they did the right thing. Um, my One of my favorite Trump tweets of all time was, De- desecrating a uh, national anything that was you know anything that's American, right? It's supposed to take you're supposed to have ten years in jail now. Yep, that so, was his, that was his uh, executive order. So I'm curious, you know, the initial numbers came out that 13 people in total have been arrested up to this point. You can't All- see me, but I'm just shaking my head because that's just. Bananas, but yeah. Oh yes, yeah. Because I mean, there are people that have cited plenty of their own personal experiences of of peaceful protest in suit and tie at Capitol Hill, and the numbers percentage wise, you know, fifty protesters, forty seven arrests, like things like that um, are coming it coming to light, and you can't argue it. And the side by side pictures about how the military prepared themselves for Black Lives Matter versus what the Capitol looked like, you can't argue this shit. I don't care what anybody fucking tries to tell me. You have zero argument. You have yep. nothing. Yep. The pictures say a thousand fucking words. And the fact that these people could walk in, sit in the, the, the chair of the Speaker of the House, put their feet up on Nancy Pelosi's desk, they were a, a match away from burning the electoral votes. They were that, they were right there. They were right there doing that. You and and walk, walk in is exactly the right term because that's 
pretty much what they did. They ran into very little resistance. I, I personally don't like to generalize everybody because I'm well aware of the fact that there's many, many Americans that are, I think, very sad, probably emotionally drained, and can't believe this just happened to their great nation. I understand all of that. But I could give a flying fuck about that country right now. I don't want to go near it. I don't want to be anywhere around it because I'm, I'm disgusted by the amount of human beings that put this man on a pedestal and I'm most disgusted by all the politicians, elected and bureaucratic, that pandered to this fucker for four years and never once said, hey, stop fucking poking that kid with a cattle prod or stop fucking. He's just, he was a bully and an asshole who was never set straight. He was a spoiled brat who was given every opportunity. And every time he did anything, they gave him a pat in the back. They gave him a fucking smarty. You know, it's like Pavlov's dog. What did you think was going to happen after four years? Shit was just going to go well? How fucking conceited and ridiculous are you? The people in this, that, um, unfortunately, America is a very contrasting society with a, quite a few extreme natures in it. You know, I don't know too many alt-right documentaries, films, books, you know, fiction, nonfiction that's based pretty much anywhere else in the fucking U.S., so what did you think was going to happen? That level of ignorance is so disgusting. And I'm bothered because it's right here in our own country at the same time. People in that protest, that fuck protest, in that siege, there were Canadians in that fucking siege mm-hmm. carrying rebel flags. So as Canadians try to tell me, like, we don't have that, go fuck yourself. We have it here too. Yeah. We have, and this is absolutely shameful, appalling. I can't. The corrective measures that this is going to take, and it's only now that I think there's another awakening of people to realize that long-term damage this fucker has been allowed to put into society. And there's lots of things that, that culminated into this mixing pot of shit, you know, social media being a prime one. So they're now trying to be on a corrective course with, holy shit, this did go this bad. This went really wrong. We are a tool used by these people to do these horrific fucking things that will be in the history books for centuries. Shit, we better correct this. The only thing they could come up with is banning his account, which is a no-brainer. Should have been done four years ago. But they're going to have to figure out a hell of a lot more. That's not enough. Okay. This fucker needs to be impeached so he can never run again. And quite frankly, anyone that shares a, a thought process even similar to him should just get fucking impeached by association. His family should get fucking impeached. It generationally, five to six generations down should actually still be impeached. That's my thought process on this. I, I am thoroughly... People often let me down or society down. No one's perfect. I get all that. But to this level... I don't think it's a generalization anymore to start throwing this guy's name in the ring with fucking Hitler and more because he was willing to incite. He was willing to, and he's not done folks. He's not done. He's going to create a fucking splinter right wing party that might as well have a fucking swastika. You watch, you absolutely fucking watch. And the worst part is he's going to have 70 million fucking people following that party. Yeah, and I, I think the other 
I mean, it's great and all that people are starting to jump ship and it's great and all that he's been shut down on social media, but you, I mean, what are we at less than two weeks away from it even mattering to that degree anymore? I mean, yes. And if it, it, like you said, if he continues to run and and gather and, and that sort of thing, then yes, it's, it's good that that continues, but Holy fuck. Have we waited long enough? Like, and of course these people waited at the last possible second where there was absolutely no chance that riding this, you know, this ship was going to get them somewhere. They waited to the last possible second till they, some of them were practically attacked before they're like, mm, maybe this is the time we get it, you know, get out of here. It's just, it's insane. It's, and there's so much evidence that uh, of all these people that have backed him and backed him and backed him and backed him. And then, so, you know, for once they're like, well, I don't agree with that. Well, where the fuck were you the last, you know, four or five years? It's, it, I don't think these people should necessarily, you know, get off scot-free either. Like just because you, at the very end, when there was no sign of hope of it going your way, then you finally jump ship. Like that's, it's, it's disgusting. It's cowardly, which is not surprising. And it took a terrorist attack, which is exactly what this is, because this is domestic terrorism, for them to make any movement. And even still, today, in the talk of that secondary impeachment, there's still those who are like, well, maybe we don't bother. Why not? Why not set the example? And again, if he tries to run again, then, you know, at least you've You've done something. Why this? Oh, well, it's almost done. Nonsense. Just just leave him alone. Okay, but then who's to say that doesn't happen again? I'm terrified for the next time we have an election. And so if it's not him, somebody worse than him, because we let this kind of shit go on. I mean, yeah, I you, hope hopefully the preventative measures come into effect in terms of social media, even like the um, the the underground ones like uh the alt-right one that uh, they're using a uh, parlor is they've got now 24 hours allegedly before they get shut down, unless they come out with some sort of proposal to Apple and Google, or they'll be delisted from the store. But if you provide these people with platforms, then it's going to keep going and going and going. They're already talking about January 20th being a, something called a million militia March in Washington, DC. Well, that sounds terrifying. So what the well, fuck? Especially considering what they just had. Yeah. So and and I guess I guess there's there's so much to unpack. Um and, and for our listeners, like first of all, anyone that's been, you know, in that, that's thinking about this, first of all, if you live in the United States and you're listening to us, odds are you share our views. Otherwise you wouldn't be listening anymore or at least something like it. My heart goes out to you because I can't imagine the stress of being an American citizen right now in what this looks like and, and having this on display for the entire world. It's um, it's probably incredibly embarrassing and it's probably deepening, deeply saddening because there's no more burying your head in the sand that it's, it's not that bad that it's just a few people. It's, it's way worse than it was perceived to be. And I think, it's as someone you know put it in social media it, enough burying your ha- head in the sand is time to stand up and be counted on what side of the line you're on like own it because you you kind of need to figure this out and i and i mean i can't attest to the the history of many things um you know fic- factually but i i have a sneaking suspicion like the the deep bedded roots of the north and the south mentality 
of that country, I mean, are obviously still on full display. And unfortunately, um, it's that kind of action that led to that in the first place, uh, the divide, the divisive nature of this, that country. And it doesn't feel like it's too far away from that again. And that's terrifying. And, and the part of me says, this is us, you know, we're overthinking, we're overanalyzing because we have it in front of us and yada, yada. But I bet you anything, you know, hundred plus years ago, people were being accused of the same thing as the country was dividing. I, I just, I feel like, we haven't lived through something momentous enough, not, not discrediting 9-11. It was a terrorist attack outside terrorism. Things had to happen. Things happened after that. But I'm just saying we haven't lived, lived through anything internally momentous in North America. This generation certainly hasn't. And, you know, the, the, the people that lived through the Korean and uh, Vietnam War and then th- obviously World War II, you know, they're at an age. They're certainly not listening to our show. Um, and, and I think they're, they're in a weird spot in this whole piece. So I don't want to go too deep into that because I can't analyze that. Anyone I talk to that is north of 60, 55, 60 years old, it, it terrifies me their thought process when we get into dialogue around this. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's one extreme or the other, and it's remarkable what side of the fence sometimes they're on. Um, I, just, I just shake my head with where we are and how we get through this and what it looks like because I think – it is as big as it feels. I don't feel like it's getting blown up. I don't feel like it's getting extra attention. I don't feel like media is making this bigger because this is happening in the middle of a global pandemic on a daily basis where people are dying by the thousands, depending on the country you're in, or hopefully only the, the single digits or none if you're lucky, where we're trying to find a cure to get a quality of life and we're experiencing. And I don't think those are perpetuating the feelings of how horrible this is. I think this whole thing may have been even worse if it wasn't for the pandemic. I think it would actually be worse. Yeah. It's it's hard to know. I mean, I think the people that are going to do these sort of things probably didn't give a shit about it to begin with. Like, so, I didn't, as my daughter pointed out, didn't see a mask in the crowd. I, I'm tired of living through momentous historical things at this point. How about you? Like, I think have we, have we not had our share now? I'm done. I'm done with it. Let's 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 get out of this. No, I'm with you. I mean, I think there was a point where people want to be part of history. I think until you're part of it, and then you realize that. Not too many people ever celebrated the moments of history they were stuck in. They, you know what they celebrated? Surviving them and coming out the other side. Yeah. No one talks about the joyous time they had during World War II or NAM. They talk about the other side of it and the pain and suffering on the other side of it. Those are the memories. And then the joyous time, you know, hopefully, that came after that, if they did. And, and I think back to those reflective times and I'm like, I, I feel horrible that we're in what we're in. I, I've never felt such a sense of no control, no option to create control. There's no way to insert control into any of it. Um, so it's very challenging. And I'm sure maybe people are wrestling with that. We're fortunate. I know I, I, you and I have lives, I, I would say, are very fortunate that we can find distractions. We can easily you know, turn our brains off from society and still enjoy comforts of our life here in Canada and the lives that we have. So we are very fortunate. My heart goes out to those that can't, those that don't have those options or those that 
this type of thing, this bullshit in the US serves as a distraction from the stress their life is in during this pandemic, which makes my heart bleed. I just feel like every corner we look around, um, it's tough. It's a tough space. So if we can find some simple joys, and if you are listening to this, we're going to find some things to talk about that are way more positive than this. I think it had, we ha- I mean, you and I would have to talk about this no matter what, because we've kind of been following this stuff along the ride. Um, and let's be fair. This is probably going to be one of where the, one of those, where were you in history type moments when, the capital was sieged by alt-right protesters for their terrorists. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? I made the mistake of protesters. That's the problem. I've heard the conversation all this year with protesting that I I supported that made that, that needed to be done to call, to call forward to an issue that, that major issues in this country. And if you didn't think there were major issues, you only have to look at the last 48 hours to understand those issues are way worse than those protests laid out. Those pre- protests were the, just the tipping of the, the tip of the iceberg of how big this problem is. Well, the easy way to keep track of it is a protest is where there are thousands of police and they beat you if you look at them the wrong way. And terrorists are ones that get to walk right into the building they want to go into. That's the difference. Or is that insurgents? Because all this language. It's true. There's a generation of American youth that are going to be better with this language from the things that happened in their own soil during one calendar year. I want, I want that to sink in for a second, people. I don't care what side of the line you are on with this shit. That is horrible. We, we make media and film and television about different countries around the world in this type of suffering and horrible environment that youth live in. And right now, it's on fucking American soil. It's happening. Just think about that. Okay. We got to go positive. So on a, on a positive note of pain and suffering, I just want to throw one insert in there. League of Legends have started their new season for the year 2021. And it's just a new opportunity for pain and suffering. Carry on. I did see that. I was going to ask you about that. I got the email about it. I guess they're starting the new season. Have you done anything? Has it started today? Or? I, play, I play three ranked games today and I am two and one. Ooh. Yes. Nice. Considering when I first started this game, that would have been a solid 0-3. <laughs> now, does it reset? So do you have to have a certain number of ranked games before you actually get a ranking again? Yes. Yeah. What do you got to do, 10 games? Yes. And I was very ecstatic. The first two games, the team was pretty good. It was a shitty match, but we pulled it off. It wasn't the greatest in the beginning, but then a couple of people on the team, including myself, were able to help turn things around, and we had a nice team win two games in a row. I'm like, man, this is great. I'm probably with people closer to my level of MMR. And then the third game unearthed, I just guessed they came from the capital and logged in because the way they played and behaved. At four minutes, the, the one person that was our jungler decided that we weren't winning fast enough, so he just... AFK'd and left. So there's four of us to try to hold on to this match. And then ultimately we we lost very quickly. Um so anyways, yeah. And the I'm not even gonna go into what was typed in the chat, so it was just absolutely atrocious. So um but I made a mistake that game. See the first two games I turned the chat off. There were wins. The third game, 
um, I left the chat on. I feel like that's going to be the relationship for how this goes forward. So you got you to stay focused. Well, uh, we'll see how this progress goes. I have a, I have a good feeling that I'm actually going to do not too bad because I have put a lot of time in uh, playing this game and uh, I'm committed to giving rank a solid go and uh, seeing where we end up and having a fresh slate with uh, the season because it resets your, your games and stuff mm-hmm. for the season. I'm looking forward to seeing what that looks like. So, but there's no pressure on it and I'm still having fun, which is weird. So we'll, we'll see where that goes. I, I've gotten to the point now in Rocket League where I lose significantly more often than I win. But strangely, I'm having just as much fun. Although I have stopped. Well, I should back up. The season restarted about two weeks ago. So for a long time there, I was just doing casual games. Uh, I've only done a handful of ranked games with the new season. Uh, but I, it's been going okay. But yeah, my, my win-loss record's not great. But the other problem I find with the ranked games is same situation where if somebody drops out, you're kind of screwed because casual games will just replace that person with a bot or somebody could come in late game and replace that spot. They don't do that in ranked games, of course. So if I'm paying, playing like three against three and one guy drops out, uh, three against two is a huge difference and it goes poorly really quickly. And for some reason I still get penalized for that, even if I'm not the one that dropped out. Well, that was a cool thing because Riot said they were going to fix some stuff on the, the ranked season. And so when that person AFK'd on us at the four-minute mark and we couldn't – because anything under three minutes, you can you can put into the chat box remake and the game will remake. And there's no penalties or anything, right? But he did that after the four-minute mark. Um, nice. Anyways, with that being said, we ended up not taking any lost uh, LP, which is your experience points for going up through the um, the ranks. So we actually didn't lose any points for that – a catastrophe of a match. So what I've realized is behave, don't type, don't quit, keep trying, and the, I'm gonna I'm gonna keep that mantra mentality as I try to to climb through the rank. And I feel like the system has been adjusted over the past calendar year uh, that it's supposed to take all that stuff into account. So I want to see if that actually does take that, those things into account. So I'm kind of monitoring it closely. And I'm using uh, op.gg, which is like a League of Legends track, like mobile client. Mm-hmm. And uh, you can look my character up there, Optimus Skeletron. Yes, I said that. It's all of the 80s in one, folks. Um, and uh, it it's very on your... brand. It is very, very on brand. And it shows uh, your games, your matches, your performance, and your tracking of all that. So I'm going to use that as my monitoring tool and really watch and see if uh, by maintaining a positive outcome, positive attitude and uh, going playing, playing through that, if that actually will help the ranked. I have a theory that it will. I, I really do. I mean, most of the streamers in that you watch will tell you that if you could just kind of keep your shit together and not get angry, one, you'll do better in games, which means ultimately outcomes turn out. And then the other people in the game that can't handle that um, lose their top and quit, and then you don't get penalized for it. All right. I don't know that I'll share my statistics online uh, for Rocket League just yet, but I might. I might change my mind. Um, now, no, mine are nothing to brag about. <laughs> <laughs> like, not by any means. Uh, so, so feel free. But anyways, carry on. So, you've been complaining, uh, harassing. Uh, I, don't, I don't know. I, again, you really need to nail that down. 
you've been you've been really pestering me to to watch this program that allegedly started in October, but I don't believe that. Oh, so uh, the thing all of society has witnessed, but you. Anyways, <clears throat> this uh, man. Uh, hold on, Mandalorian, the Mandalorian, uh, season two. I skipped season one. It's probably not important. Yeah, or go back in our episodes where we, we yeah. watched all of season one and talked through it on you. If That's you right. wanted someone to talk over it while you tried to watch it. Okay, my bad. So I did watch it. So no. Uh, so on these holidays, I did finally get uh, caught up. I got my Disney Plus subscription back, and I watched the what is there eight episodes? Eight episodes of season two of The Mandalorian. So I'm I ready just, to talk. Yeah. Okay. Well, where do you want to start? Bring it. How awesome is it that a second season is a great improvement on the first? Not that there is anything wrong with the first. In fact, you would question, how the hell do you even go up from here? And they pulled the old hold my beer, watch this shit, and here we go. Because I think the second season, the first episode was a slow burn. But then after that, it rock and rolled. Excellent to answer your question, sir. So for me, season one was a six and season two was a seven. It was an improvement, but it's only just okay. What? Yes, that's what I said. Okay, so I'm like an eight to a nine, if we're going to do first a second, because I'm going to go on the hot. No, you know what? Fuck this. Because this lets you pick holes in the good things I like to talk about. We can so, start with the good things. I don't mind. We're, we're, oh, you're just, you are just going to start. You I, start. Have, I have notes for the first three episodes, and then I stopped, and then I just have generalized notes for the rest of it. Okay. Go. go. Just go. Uh, I, don't even know where to, I don't even know where to take this right now. Just go. Let's start with the high points. Uh, right off the bat, I am a huge Timothy Oliphant fan, and I was happy to see him because I dig that guy in just about everything he does. I would love to see a program where he was in the show, uh, either himself or maybe with some other characters. I liked his story. I liked his backstory in episode one. Um Obviously, the big thing from episode one was the reveal. Oh, wait. You know what? Let's just let's be obvious right now. There are huge spoilers ahead. So just warning. This is not even a spoiler time anymore. We've waited so long that this is just like the review of a review. Well, you were kind enough to keep things from me. I'm just telling people to keep stuff from them. Fair uh, enough. So we uh, my last uh, note for episode one was. GTFO Boba Fett alive question mark question mark exclamation mark yeah uh, so that was obviously the big reveal uh, from that uh, funny enough before that my notes kind of go chronologically and I have like huh he's looking for a Mandalorian Tatooine is he related to Boba Fett also giant sandworm that's amazing mm. uh, I will say consistently throughout the, the show about 99% I would say this program remains beautiful. It is a fantastic program to look at. It is visually stunning. It is hard to imagine that it is a TV program. It certainly doesn't have that kind of budget. It has uh, what would be definitely a blockbuster budget from everything. That is, I think even this season stepped it up quite a bit. Um, so, they, yeah. They, these, are, these are high quality movies. 
Pretty much, yes. Uh, Which I'll talk about later is uh, a blessing and a curse. But no, I thought the first episode was good. It uh, it sets things up nicely. I mean, we're back to Tatooine again. I mean, how many times we got to go back to this goddamn planet? But okay, fine. Oh no, come on! That I think there there's nothing wrong with being at that planet. I think it's an important it's an important home base for a lot of storyline, and you can't take that away. It's kind of like the equivalent of you're using major cities across the the when they you know use the U.S. and they use major cities like the New York and L.A. type type mentality. I think you have Coruscant was a major piece, and then of course Tantooine was a major piece, you know, and a few of them. Although along the way, most of them tend to get blown up. So this is one of the ones that's left standing. I, I will say I was shocked at the amount of uh, Tuscan Raiders that were uh, eaten or killed in this episode. So many, so many deaths. I think there was a certain attempt to try to try to challenge a certain episode too. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> Which this episode or episode two attack of the clones how many sand people how many more sand people died in which episode you know who had the higher death rate for sand people yeah it was i mean I, you could see problems with their plan right from the get-go uh walking out to the sandworm and basically egging it on probably I, not a great idea i i love how the mandalorian at no time really cares about too many other people he's got a close circle this guy's been working with quarantine he's got a bubble he takes care of that bubble. You're outside that of that, yeah, you're outside of that bubble. Eh, he's not evil to you, but you're not in the bubble. You're maybe expendable. The one like surprise thing about that. I know he's not a sandworm. I'm just using that term because it's hmm. easier for me to remember. Uh, he's some sort of dragon or something, wasn't he? Uh, the hell was it? I, I don't even want to say sand dragon because I think that might have been it. But yeah. um I just loved, like, at the last minute, we also find out that basically his barf is acid, which I'm like, oh, that's a nice added touch that we didn't need because he's already monstrous and eats, like, everybody. Yeah, is it some sort of dragon? Yeah, that's what it is. That they referred to it as. So, yeah, I thought the, I thought it started good. The first episode was, um, I think, the longest episode, if I remember correctly. I think it's almost an hour, which uh, was kind of interesting. Well, there's a lot. There's a lot to that episode. I think that makes sense. That the length of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, I, you know, started off good for me. I I, I thought it was good. Uh, I would have liked to have seen more of the uh, Timothy Oliphant character, but it, he did not come back uh, this season. May no, come back I, later. And I think I like how they kept to the recipe. In the first season, you'd get a character. They would come potentially in and out and it was brief touches and it's it's not that they need to be in every episode like a cartoon but they're around and i think this is another example of someone who's going to be around so one question that came up from this episode and actually comes up several times later on i have a hard time keeping track of time i can't tell how much time has passed because it seems like a fair bit of time has passed since he's been back here, but I can't get a reading on how much it's been. And later on, that comes up quite a bit and is very noticeable that it seems like a lot of time has passed and it didn't quite feel like it, but I don't know. Uh, I, in times as passed based on what? Like, is it years? 
Like when he comes back to Tatooine and he sees the, I forget the name of the woman that, that has the little spaceport there. Oh yeah. So, so she's, yeah. Okay. Like she kind of inclines that it's been quite a long time, but I don't know. Like how much time has passed? Yeah, but it could be months. I guess. And Uh, and that wouldn't be a big deal if it was months. I mean, jumping further ahead, uh, and we'll go back, but on this topic, we have, uh, when he comes back to Navarro, uh, they've rebuilt buildings. Uh, Cara Dune is the marshal. How much time has passed there? And then the next time we see her, she's working for whatever the hell they're called now. Not the Rebel Alliance, but whatever the... Oh, yeah, but that, that wasn't game. a... That's not a big gap at all. Because... It, well, then her I, career path, she's just skyrocketing from nothing to, like... She's going to be running that thing by the episode mm, three of the next season. It's kind of like going from your local militia and then... You know the uh, the Fort Wayne Sheriff Department has an opening for a junior cop. Like I, I don't act like it's this huge thing, because it's just it's just kind of a shift of you're still going to do the same thing, which isn't really a lot, and you're just going to have this rebel badge as opposed to just people calling you sheriff. Oh yeah, I'm just saying. It <laughs> seems like every time we've seen her, here. she had a new job. It was almost becoming, you know, a bit comedy i was i was surprised but uh, no anyways first well, episode I, i'm definitely i i it was good it was good i i was gonna say it just was her arc on her way back to the um back to where she was essentially yeah back to the rebel rebellion right so back to what the are rebel. they called now because they're not the rebels anymore at that point but uh they are the republic republic that's it yeah okay yeah. i can't keep track of these names i'm old yeah they're the democrats yeah yeah you know the you know there's an undertone even back before this was originally wrote, written right so anyways carry, carrying on uh okay the passenger this was the slower burn episode i was thinking of okay okay the eggs yep which i don't get all the hype hoopla over him eating eggs i eat chicken eggs every day i, I don't understand what the problem was with this I, I was a little concerned that like it took like nine times to stop him and he just continued to go back. He is clearly has very bad manners. And for someone who uh, we later find out has been trained or at least has training, you think not eating somebody else's young would have been up there on the list. But what do I know? I, I still, as I said to you before, on the scale of age, if Yoda was 900 years old when he hit old age, right? Even if this guy's 140, it's like being 15. Right? I mean, at 15, I knew not enough. I, I knew enough to not eat, you know, other people's children. Yeah, but that's because you, that's if you saw it as other people's children. Those are just eggs. Yeah. Right? Like, you have to take into to mind that in this galaxy, if it's a meat product, eat people eat it. Look at the amount of things on sticks actually in these, in these planets that people eat. That's a good point. I have a note I just saw in episode three where it literally says, is all Star Wars food a nightmare? Yeah. <laughs> because yeah. it seems like every time they're eating, it is disgusting. And I'm just going to comment. I started watching Star Wars again 
right. from in, in the uh, episodic order. Mm -hmm. So I just finished episode one watching episode two. Even those ones that George Lucas did in the happy sunny days, they're eating weird shit. Yeah. Okay. So it's, it's, it, we have to accept the fact in the galaxy that food is whatever the fuck you can get your hands on. So in this case, that's just a jar of pickled eggs to him. Yeah. It's, it's what it is. And, you know, he's not equating the importance and he looks at it as there's 150 pickled eggs in there. Like, they're not going to know if it's 130 by the time we get there. <laughs> and that's how he went at it. I'm not justifying his actions. I'm just saying. And he's like, I'm a growing boy. I'm 15 years old. I know the force, motherfucker. Like, I don't know. I just felt like I got where he was going with it. You know, yeah, he definitely was bad table manners and shit. Um, but I mean, the the outrage of him doing this, I'm like, you're, you're acting like he's a cannibal. Now, if they were little Yoda eggs, okay, that's fucking weird. But these are just eggs of a something else. Right? That'd be like you having eating, um, having a, a, a scrambled omelet in front of a chicken. And how many farmers do that every fucking day? So I, I you know, or they have they have bacon before they go out to tend to the pigs. Or they have a steak at night, and next morning they milk the cows. I'm, I'm just. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, folks. Like we live like that. I'm questioning his behavior. That's all. I'm not saying what he's he doing is wrong. I'm just saying how many times does he have to be told to stop? Well, if chickens could talk, I'm sure they would be appealing to somebody that would stop fucking eating our eggs. Uh, on the Star Wars uh, method, we are a new episode, new planet, uh, ice planet this time. Yes. I noticed the cavern was very Death Star Trench-like uh, when they were flying through that, which was, yeah, it was, it was, it brought back some, some of that kind of trench run feeling, especially when the, they're trying to escape from the. I love how they do, they do those things, not saying, hey, this is Hoth, but they're doing it to give us the same feeling and senses that we had during that time period, right? Because the idea is that this is the period of time after the last Death Star after Return of the Jedi, you know, it's, it's a few years later. And, you know, this is, this is, you're, you're, they're trying to get us into that frame of mind. Mm -hmm. And I, I love it. I love those little things they do. Cause you're right. It totally takes you back to, Oh, it's Hoth with way better, you know, CGI. And this is cool. And yeah, right on. But, Oh, it's not actually Hoth. You're right. Every ice cave would actually look like that. Cool. Neat. Holy shit. Is that a spider? So, uh, yes, yeah, so the big baddie in this episode was basically giant spiders, I guess, uh, which actually started out looking very much like the alien egg face hungers uh, coming out of the eggs. Yeah, but I also don't criticize them for that because it's certainly hard to deal with, you know, fast, aggressive, legged type aliens that don't kind of all look the same to a degree because really you're just looking for hey, what's the most fucked up and crazy looking spider type thing we can come up with? And they tend to look very similar no matter how hard you try. Because you're going to get aerodynamic, you're going to get teeth, you're going to get legs, typically monochromatic in color, uh, typically dark, darker or more camouflage type, type color, uh, quick moving, um, jerky reactions, like you know, exoskeletal typical look to it. So that's, that's hard to differentiate a whole lot there. So I'm going to give them a little bit of credit on that one. They still ended up with something that is still their own. I felt like this was more like the spiders in Harry Potter. I, you have not watched. No, I have not watched. But if you watch that and you watch the Deathly Hollows, 
the, the spider episode was, um, you're going to be like, wow, that's a Harry Potter influenced scene. So anyways, carry on. I was uh, slightly disappointed to realize that after the second Death Star was destroyed, that apparently X-Wing pilots just become shitty beat cops now, because that's basically what those two were doing. They were just shitty yeah. cops that were just going around patrolling checking you know for open like arrest yeah. warrants basically but they're now the ones trying to keep order and peace in the galaxy yeah, right it's not as exciting so, <laughs> <laughs> well i'm sorry but the tie fighter squadrons when the empire was in charge were doing the same fucking thing <laughs> I and guess. you know what they weren't exciting either <laughs> and true. they were e- and they were easily beat and they were certainly beat cop uh stereotype as you put out there so mr kim from kim's convenience certainly was beat cop ish although he did feel a little more wholesome and lovable and you know who the other one was oh oh i know who the other one was uh it's um no i know it go ahead it's uh dave filoni that's right it was filoni it was filoni that's right yeah which is hilarious his, uh, his screen time you're also one of the most popular people right now in pop culture you probably didn't need to do that but anyways yeah carry on uh i don't have much else notes for that episode it was uh relatively self-contained i think i don't want to call it a filler episode because i felt like there was some good stuff in it and it was really important for us to see what the republic's up to these days i think that was what was important about it um and i think it was foreshadowing with the ship i think that was there's lots of good little pieces in the episode that were really good for character development. And it certainly, it was another trial and tribulation that the Mandalorian and Grogu, uh, well, we find out later, Grogu, um, went through together. So it was, it was more bonding and, and relationship building between the two of them. So carry uh, on. Yeah. So my last episode that I actually took consistent notes, uh, we, we are now on a water planet. Uh, I could not tell you the name of the planet, but it does seem to be where the, um, what are they? Mon Calamari, which is just their seafood. Uh, the Akbar planet, basically. That's where all the Akbar people seem to be. (laughs) This is where I started to realize that although I don't think I'm missing plot points for this program, I think that not seeing... Uh, Clone Wars and Rebels is going to be uh, not a problem, but I think if I'd seen those programs, I would have way more context because we have characters that my understanding after the fact, I did not know uh, when I watched it, uh, were in Clone Wars, I think, or maybe Rebels. I don't know which ones. The other uh, Mandalorians that he meets up with on this planet. Yeah, so I'm going to encourage you and anyone else with these questions to type into Google what Clone Wars and Rebel episodes to watch before Mandalorian and Games Radar has an awesome little synopsis of the ones you need to watch, which will give you the history of Bo-Katan, Sabine Wren, and a few of the other pieces in there that you're referencing, which are, I watched them, okay? So I knew exactly who these people were, and I'm telling you, it was extremely ecstatic. I found it extremely ecstatic to see them, and uh, knowing that this is going to help the continuation of well past season two, it made me feel like a very just just seeing Bo-Katan and understanding her whole background and where she's trying to go with everything. And if she becomes a consistent character in the series, 
this is going to be a lot more than a couple seasons and this is going to be very i think very similar to clone wars which is a very good thing i think it's an awesome idea this really is going to turn into the live action equivalent of clone wars of basically the live action gap filler between return of the jedi and uh the force awakens uh, we also learned in this episode, uh, again, if you had no outside context, which I didn't, that it would seem our friend, the Mandalorian may have been raised in more of a fringe or cult group of Mandalorians, not the standard per se. Uh, his people are way more of the ancient beliefs. And, uh, you see this specifically with the, uh, showing their face with the helmet. He's completely against that. Whereas they have no problem uh, removing their helmet at any time, really. Yeah, yeah, it's very, it's very unique, actually. And it's as someone who watched the cartoons, um, I was wondering, was Mandalorian, you know, the way he was, the way was that really like the, you know, more like royalty? Was it more like I, I was trying to figure that out mm-hmm. a little bit in my mind, and uh, and I thought maybe the Bo Katan was more, re- you know, rebellious rebellious in the way that she really her character was always like very forthcoming and aggressive and trying to solve bigger issues and taking a lot on and all this stuff so you know she was very eccentric right and i thought maybe the mandalorian was playing out the typecast of a mandalorian and then so it was kind of neat to see the revelation of oh no no this is the really crazy like um <laughs> i don't know like how fanatical to basically yeah like these these are the people that started in Waco. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So where, again, where I did have a note here that I had no context, uh, why, and I th- they explain a little bit later, maybe a little bit better, but I had a note here that said, why is the dark saber so important? Um, my understanding from the last episode kind of filled in a little bit of that, just that, um, Essentially, you need it to, well, you're supposed to have it to um, be the ruler or the leader of of Mandalore. Uh, It's something that is to be won. It is not to be given, is by what I pieced together. Other than that, I really don't know any of its backstory. I don't know how it was created. I don't know if there's multiple. I don't know anything about it. There is not multiple. Okay, there's only one. Um, And it's kind of like... King Arthur's Excalibur. Okay. Okay. It's like, it's like the thing. Okay. And it's like the right, it, it was for their, their main, cl- the main clan, the ruler, the, 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 the ruler or, or leader of the clan, which was like their leader of the death watch, which was like their main, you know, soldiers and assassins and stuff like that. You know, they would carry the, the dark saber and yeah, you only pass it through combat and you had to pass it through combat. Um, yeah, there's a few things around that, which I know that that comes up later in the episodes. Uh, that's that's kind of what I know off the top of my head. That's what I can remember off of it. it it's it's like I, I compared it to Excalibur without pulling Excalibur out of a stone. Right. So. Uh, and then my only other note I had on that episode was basically he's going to need a new ship soon, which, my God, I could not have foretold exactly that situation happening a few episodes later. Yeah. <laughs> Very true. Okay. So I'm going to start throwing out some things here 
and you absolutely feel free to counteract them in that. But th- this, these are the things that I had trouble with. And it's not trouble. Some of these things aren't, aren't that big of a deal. But one thing that is becoming noticeably a problem is stormtroopers are terrible. They can't hit anything. And when you see them in small bursts in the films, it's not so bad. But when you see them episode after episode after episode, and they cannot hit anything, they are useless. And it's really, really noticeable in this, definitely the second season. You're just like, why? They do nothing. They, they, they just slow you down, I guess. They're real bad. <laughs> Listen, I think the more I keep watching rewatching old the older films and i'm thinking about this um that has actually been a very consistent arc through all the movies mm-hmm. is that once they put those damn helmets on and it, it really it's actually when the um galactic empire changed the trooper helmets from the clone helmets to the trooper helmets that shit went sideways because the clones weren't that bad of a shot they weren't limited by the helmets. And often the clones in the cartoon would take their helmets off if necessary. They didn't always keep them on. Even though they're all fucking clones, they would take the helmets off. Now, the Galactic Empire, though, because a lot of them aren't necessarily clones anymore, seems to really mandatory the helmets. And the helmets, as Luke reminded us, is you can't see in these things. And they reminded us many, many years ago in the very first film that we were exposed to with New Hope is that you can't see in those things. How am I supposed to shoot anything? Was that not the line? Or yeah, something along I, the line? I, I, I get it. I, I think it's and just they, it's so much more noticeable when you see this much of them. I think that... that... But I love how they've held that since 1978 or 77. That has been held through all of these movies that when one of those helmets on, you can't hit shit. Yeah. You can't, unless it's a lot of blaster fire. Like if you think back to Force Awakens and they eradicated that entire village because they might as well have been shooting everything with miniguns. Like it was just as much as you could possibly shoot. And if you think back to a lot of the shooting the stormtroopers do when they're the biggest threat is when they're in large numbers and they're just on auto fire. It's like it's everywhere. It's spray. They're spraying their blast everywhere. And that's the reason they're doing any damage. And you don't know how to run away from it because it's just waves of blaster fire. That's why... It's it works so well, and half the time, if you watch the Jedi, they don't have to block all the laser blasts. It's just the ones that come near them. <laughs> so Which it's not seems really to be few, like <laughs> yeah, very very few. There's a reason they can knock all these late blasters away. Is because not many are going to come towards them, right? Yeah. Um, and I think it, it, in contrast, why it looks really bad is you know the Mandalorian being basically like a killing machine. His shots are good, very, very good. So his single blaster shot to the 75 <laughs> Stormtrooper shots just makes it look way worse. Yeah, I agree. Anyways, it is fun, though. Yeah. I love the consistent trend of the Stormtroopers. It's just shit. I just, I don't know. I got to a point. I was just like, holy God, it's just, they're just it's terrible. <laughs> and the Stormtroopers that have survived these missions, how have they not, you know, put the request in to modify the helmet. And at some point, as they rise to the ranks, has not one stormtrooper said, I'm going to make my career by bettering the helmet. <laughs> so, Because I remember what it was like trying to shoot this thing and I couldn't hit anything. So I'm going to find a way to make this helmet better. Or is it the typical, I had to suffer through it, so so do you. Yeah. We've got this many helmets we're not making anymore. 
yeah, fuck it. Until we run out, we're not making new ones. Well, how many do we have? Six hundred and seven billion. We've got plenty. Do you see how many Star Destroyers we made in like a short period of time? You know how many helmets we have? Yeah, I mean, it's just it's just used equipment. They just dust it off and scrub the blood out. If you do notice, most stormtroopers when they die, the helmets don't get destroyed. It's just gonna say, it's true. Until, until they meet Boba Fett. Yeah, let's just jump to that because that, I, I I think that's another highlight. I when did their armor get made of plastic? <laughs> Is that what stops plaster? Is this why when they get hit with a blaster, they just die? Yeah, it's it's interesting. I do say and, I think finally Boba Fett got. So like, oh, yeah. there's some meat to him being a badass because before it was He's like, finally, yeah. Oh, hey, listen. The only badass thing he did before is pick up his dad's severed head and clean out the helmet. <laughs> that's, yes, that's all, that's all. That's the most badass thing that kid ever did. I like that they um they do really reinforce that he 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 was never a like a true Mandalorian. Like he has the 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 outfit from his father. He got it through family, but he's, you know, like he's not, he's again, another, this season, we're definitely seeing like different levels of Mandalorian, different factions, different connections to that. Whereas like our Mandalorian is, you know, the the, uh, fanatical or he's from that. And then you have uh, the Bo-Katan people. And then you have this where he's just like, eh. My dad's it's my dad's armor. Here's the record of proof. Uh, yeah. And you can just, you know, F off like it's mine. Get away. <laughs> Go fuck yourself. Yeah. And by the way, all the fighting styles you guys work with, you know, I'm a first generation fucker. So I, I, I kind of like all that. And actually, the more I, I think about it, I really like the fact that our Mandalorian is of a cult. I like it because it's the extremist nature of the society, of the principles and the religious pieces of that they held together that was probably over the top, and it shows how it modified over time. And then you can have this crazy debate that if you held on to those things, did the planet stay together, blah, blah, blah. And you know that debate's going to come later between Boba Fett, Bo-Katan, and our Mandalorian. But also, I think our Mandalorian will realize to find a, a better balance between the two. And I think... Well, we'll talk about in the last episode, but I can kind of see the trajectory this might be headed in, which is kind of really cool, I think. Well, and I think having him come from essentially an extremist side gives him a lot of room to grow in the opposite direction, which he absolutely obviously is. Um, Yeah, so I I think that's and it's like you said, it's a different way into the into the, the mythos, if you will. Problem that I found this season, which carried over from the first season, is the episodes are very episodic they're very old tv they're very you could show up it's like it's like this like the third season of x-files maybe the second it has its own story it moves the needle ahead a little bit but every episode seemed to be like a fetch quest in like a video game it was i'm here i need this in order to get this you do this for me you bring it back i'll give you this and it seemed like that very much in each episode. Until episode 13. I agree with that. Until the Ahsoka Tana episode, Tano episode. Mm-hmm. Then I think that changed. But I think up to that, 100%. I'm like, oh my God, this is going to be episodic all over again. And I, then I felt, like, I felt like it flipped. I felt like 
it advanced deeper into the storyline mm-hmm. once we had this moment of Baby Yoda, Ahsoka, be the converse. Someone actually can talk to Baby Yoda all of a sudden. Now he's got a name. We get all this, all this stuff, right? So that's that was a big episode. I, I don't want to cut that one too short. I want I want to spend a little bit of time on that one. So, yeah, so, I, I just think I think I, what I think the problem is my brain is trained now for things like a Game of Thrones or you know even like a Walking Dead to an extent, maybe not so much, um, but where every episode is completely forward moving or it's not uh, so much self contained you know, do this, do this, do this. And then we get a little bit new uh, information, but uh, you're right. There, there definitely, there was absolutely more movement in season two than there was season one. That's a hundred percent. But I do think that formula was still uh, pretty strong. And to be fair, it probably comes from Filoni's background in the animated series, because I'm sure there was a lot of that because there had to be. This, this does feel like a living like based on the Clone Wars, this feels like the living version of Clone Wars, which is a good thing because it was done well. And I don't have a problem with the call back to the episodic process because we've television and pop culture has shifted away to that, shifted away a little bit, uh, quite a bit actually. And the bigger pieces that are more successful are the titles you're talking about. You know, even the Breaking Bads, the um, Game of Thrones, as you mentioned, like you can go through the list. There really are really big movies broken into basically chapters that you speed. I want to say speed through, but you could watch them in complete succession, and it's like they weave together, right? So it's just like a really really long movie that gets cut into you know digestible pieces, and, and that's not a bad thing. But we've had a lot of that, and I feel a little bit of homage, particularly when we think about the the period of time that this. This, these sequence of events are taking place. You know, they took place um, in after a series that was completed in the early '80s, which this is how television was done. And there's just these cool little homages you can tie together that, whether they're intentional or not, I just kind of like the feel of it. Right? It's like a little bit of time traveling. Yeah, I, I don't know that it's. I, I don't know that it's the fault of the program. I think it's more on my mind of things and just adjusting. Uh, but yeah, you're right. Like every every big marquee TV series lately has been, you know, not quite this. So yeah, to get back to this is just a little bit jarring for me. The other thing that was jarring, I find, and I know why they do it and I get it, but I think there might be a bit of a downside to having different directors' visions in each episode and also different lengths of the episode and not even like a couple minutes. Some of them, as I said, the first episode's almost an hour. Some of them are a half hour. Some of them are like 45 minutes. It's in that regard. It feels like self-contained movies uh, because you've got, you know, like the episodes directed by John Favreau feel different than the ones directed by Peyton Reed or Bryce Dallas Howard. You can feel it in the episode. And I don't know. I don't know how I feel about that. It doesn't feel quite cohesive across episodes. Again, I didn't watch it week to week. So maybe that space would give me more breathing room when I'm watching it back to back. It's probably more noticeable. So I will agree with you on that. Shocker. Um, But I will actually agree with you on that. There definitely is a different feel. It was not as extreme 
on a week to week basis. Mm-hmm. Although I did go back and watch a couple in sequence and it was noticeable. In fact, it was noticeable to the point where as you're bringing this up, I'm like, you know what? That was a thing that I noticed in even rewatching the episodes and watching even two in sequence. It showed up. And it wasn't huge, huge, but it was enough that it was something off-putting. And I didn't think it would be off-putting, but it certainly was a different feel. It was almost equivalent of the difference between watching Revenge of the Sith and then turning on Force Awakens. Sure. It was enough of a difference, yep. right? Yep. It's, it's all your same product, but it was just, mm, hold on, something's different here. And and I don't know if it necessarily hurts it. I think it's a, it's a neat thing, but I can see that becoming tiresome. I, I certainly can. I, I can see it weighing on the series a little bit in terms of the flow. And I 100% agree with you on the length of the episodes constantly shifting because there are some episodes that you get used to a feel of length and then you feel like you got ripped off you literally are left going hold on like 15 more minutes of content please like what's going on yeah and you i think feel a little bit- i think especially if you were watching it week to week versus yes, binging it then you'd feel almost kind of yeah a little bit ripped off maybe and, and even week to week you'd be surprised that you noticed that but like my my youngest my 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 13 year old or 12 year old not 13 yet was watching um one of the episodes with me and it was one of the shorter ones and when it ended we just both like complete shock like dropped our hands and she's like where the hell's the rest of it like she instantly knew she was shortchanged without looking at the time so that that's that is something that i'm mindful of if you're going to release it week to week i think consistency would be appreciated otherwise just release it in a block so people watch it in sequence that if you if you release this in a block and the time of the episodes were different, you, I don't think you would notice it as much. Yeah. And, you know, I'm thinking like, even again, I know it's not a fair comparison, but if I look at something like, say, Game of Thrones, the episodes are directed by different people. But I think maybe with something like that, I mean, well, A, you're coming from a book, so you have a more cohesive story to, to come from. But I, I think maybe with The Mandalorian, maybe Favreau's not quite... Um, Hands on as much. Yeah, he's not steering that that ship as tightly, so he's giving them more free reign, and maybe that's why it's a little bit more noticeable than it is on maybe another show. Now, a plus to that, though, okay, that I'm thinking about, particularly with the release of all the content they want to create for Star Wars, right, is you're going to have a lot of different directors to be able to have to work on these things simultaneously. So I think it's kind of like a, um, it's like the the minor leagues. They're getting opportunities to play in the space. So when they start touching other products, there'll be lots of continuity. It might not be perfectly the same, but there'll be enough continuity that you're not going to catch drastic differences. And I feel like that's kind of what they're doing here. Is like Favreau is building up, you know, a bunch of people that are familiar. So you know it's not just the director, right? You know, there's going to be showrunners and different producers and different assistants and art directors and stuff that are probably cycling through with these teams. So you're probably with dozens of people that are getting this experience with the Star Wars product in this current state. So they're most likely going to be get, you know, getting opportunities to work on these different products. So in essence, we might end up with better continuity and uh, you know, uh, synchronicity. Is that the word? Synchronicity? Anyways. Um, synchronicity? Synchronicity um, across this new universe we're getting. I think, I think that 
that could be a benefit of this if that's what happens. And by the looks of it, a lot of these folks are going to be playing with the property. So although we'll catch some slight differences, which in cases it will call for it, it, there might be more, uh, I think, underlying consistency in doing this. Because although you can catch some differences of the episode, there's lots of things I think we can point out that are similar, right? We're, we're, our eyes or our senses are catching the odd thing that makes it different, a different little bit of a different feel. But it, that's over and above the things that are consistent. I think the rest of my points I will apply as we go through. I don't have the list of episodes in front of me, but uh, uh, maybe I'll let you carry forth uh, with okay, so, the rest so of them. We kind of left. We kind of. So we, we did episode uh, three. So I guess four is where we're at. Yeah. So that would be 12, chapter 12, The Siege, um, which you knew you were getting to the point where we are about to get to the other side of this coin. Like we're getting, we're getting further along. Was the siege the episode? That was the one where they went into the. That was with uh, Carl Weathers and Cara Dune, and they went back to Navarro. I think wasn't it? They went into that mining complex. Yes, they went in the mining complex, and they had um, they had the blue well, guy well, from the the, the early uh, from first season that got uh, frozen the carbonite. One of his early, I think, the first season or first episode, I think, is the guy he went after. Horatio Sands. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So again, another, uh, this one, I was with you on the plot moving. There's, you know, end up being a much bigger empire base. You know, this one didn't stick to my memory nearly as much. We got to see more Cara Dune in action and the oppressive nature of her abilities. And, you know, I, I again, it, it was a moving episode. I'm not going to say it's a landmark episode. Um, I kind of was in a hurry for this one to move along because what was going to come next, I hoped, was uh, the inevitable, was leading up towards uh, going to find Ahsoka. And this was the the big piece he needed to go find her. So away we go to the episode that I think that was everyone looking forward to. And I loved this episode titled The Jedi. It was, you know, as a fan of Ahsoka, who I think is a really massive character inside the Star Wars universe that was created by Filoni, that is a massive gap filler. And fundamentally, if you think about it, she, I said before, you know, she was a younglin when Skywalker was not, had just become a Jedi Knight. So she was his Padawan. So she has made it through Anakin, his turning to Vader. She fought Vader as a gray Jedi when he was Lord of the Sith. She survived that, by the way. She took him toe-to-toe when you watch the cartoon. It was, it was a great, great battle. Um, in fact, she fought him you know, to the point where she did better against him uh, than Obi-Wan did against Anakin as he was starting to take on the Sith. It was crazy. So you know, she, gets a lot, she needs a lot more credit than you know, the people that aren't familiar with her, of her prowess as a Jedi. She's very significant in, in this whole process. Uh, so to see her on film was amazing to bring her to life. Um, you know, I commented before how amazing the casting was. That was no doubt in my mind that was the right person. You know, the behind the scenes stuff, when you find out that Dave Filoni and George Lucas were standing there on set awaiting for Rosario Dawson to walk out in costume for the first time. And like, apparently Filoni teared up. Like, you know, it's got to be pretty cool because this is a character that is, you know, there's a lot of speculation. Did this even need to exist? It got way more airtime early days in Clone Wars. You know, it, it it was a resonation of a new character that stuck, um, and 
she would, there was no disappointment whatsoever. You know, she came in and right from the get go, we had Ahsoka Tana, Tano running through, taking down, uh, <laughs> taking down uh, bad guys, and reminding everybody how kick-ass a fucking Jedi is and how great it is on new, uh, you know, new CGI, new level of film, and how good it can look. And it was just fun to fucking watch this episode. And they didn't hesitate, right? I, the speed of the episode, it went fast. It, 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 this one, as good as it was, I could have it could have been two hours long. Um, so the story moved quickly. We got to see, you know, Mandalorian work with her. We got to see Grogu become Grogu as opposed to just the child. Yeah, so we could, find could, could we? Can we just? That's a terrible name. That is an yeah. awful, <laughs> awful. Like yeah. they've had so much time to think of a name, and that's what. Like, I would have took really? Rhoda. I would have took Rhoda over oh, Goku. It's such a bad name. I was just like, really? That's just sucks so the air out of the room. They could have just put any letter instead of Y in front of Oda, and I would have liked that better than Grogu. But anyway, just started with a Y. Like, what's the? They got Yaddle Steve. and they got Yoda. Steve Yiddle. I don't know. <laughs> There's just so many names he could add. Bruce. Like, I'm good with any of these, right? Hey, I, I get a question about about her. What? Just not. Just not Martha. What's? Well, yeah. What's going on with her with her head? Is, is she like a Twi'lek? Is she got like those weird like? Uh, it's kind of like that. Yeah, yeah. That's that's like her hair piece thing. Like, so it is her hair. Okay. Now, now the only thing that they had to do in the the live action was they had to make it a little bit shorter because in the 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 cartoon it actually is like further down to her waist. Mm-hmm. But they worked out. They had it longer, and they said when she was doing her fight scenes, and it just was getting in the way. It was, it was okay. going everywhere. Yeah. So they had to, to. They found the length that worked, but they could still get her to do all the action scenes that they needed her to do. So, and the Mandalorian um, got his uh, his spear weapon made out of uh, Beskar in this episode. Yeah, and, and, and if you think about the amount of Beskar it takes to make that, that's like four more suits of armor. Because <laughs> yeah, in theory, it's solid, armor. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it can stop. It can stop a, a lightsaber. Can st- I can stop a dark saber? Yes, it can do as, that. As I learned, I did not same know. Same concept. Yeah, yeah. Same. Well, lightsaber is actually a lightsaber and a dark saber are actually the same thing. God damn it! I don't know this stuff. <laughs> so they're, they're very similar, okay, in the nature of their composition and how they're made and all that shit. So, anyways, it, it, the, the idea is that they can't penetrate Beskar. That's why Beskar is such a unique thing for the Mandalorians, and that's ultimately one of the main tools why the Mandalorians were able to train and fight the Jedi. So, I also uh, we had a, a, a spotting of a very rough looking. Uh, Michael Bean, uh, otherwise known as Kyle Reese from the Terminator. I mean, granted, he's probably 60 something years old now, but uh, he made an interesting cameo showing up. I enjoyed the fact that he basically had a standoff with the Mandalorian. It was basically like, well, if this goes your way, I'm just going to leave. Uh, if it goes my way, I'm going to stay. That was be <laughs> such to a give soldier. Michael Bean, just to give Michael Bean the credit, he is 60 years, 64 years old. I knew it. See? That's yeah. fair. That's 60, fair. 60, 65 this July. Not everybody can look like Arnold. Not even close. And the fact that he's even moving that well at that age, who with who knows what life he has lived. Um, no, so no, fantastic. Good storyline. Shows that uh, Ahsoka is still doing her thing. And as probably not as earth shattering to you as it was to those that have watched Rebels, 
to understand that Ahsoka is still hunting, hunting Admiral Thrawn and that Admiral Thrawn still exists in this universe is fucking mind-blowing. Okay, so I heard that name and it sounded familiar, but to be honest, should I know who that is if I haven't seen the animated shows? No. I couldn't remember no, he, if he, he showed up somewhere he, else. He was the most significant admiral of the Galactic Empire while it was still in so running okay okay he was the he was the dude like if they had the chain of command like if they had the christmas party at the empire right the head of the table was the emperor vader and thrawn thrawn ran everything that was the day-to-day of the empire essentially and so all of the tactics and all the military stuff was him and he was doing that while vader was doing his thing and I presume since I haven't heard or seen him in the latest movies, are we to assume he is dead by that point? I don't know. Don't know. The fate of Thrawn was never given to us. Okay. Solidified. So that's which is so exciting is that we may get his fate out of this or out of the Ahsoka series or whatever else they're giving us. Like I said to you before, by watching this series – looking at all the Star Wars content they're giving us, they're they're really going to fill the space well between Return of the Jedi and The Force Awakens and tie up, tie up loose ends, fill in canon, and I think ultimately they're going to build a really strong foundation that would support Force Awakens and the, Rey, the, the series of Rey um, probably even better, which might even allow a viewing of that to have more impact i think it, i think it's headed that way there's a lot of rebel style stuff that's going to make a lot of sense but like these these things around um the the x-wing like the rogue squadron and the things around the droids and all this stuff i, I, I there's gonna be lots of filler to really help us understand the state of the rebels when ray awakens essentially so and I I actually think we're gonna get Ray's parents in this block of time. We're gonna get it in there as some sort of Easter egg or some sort of piece of thing that is insignificant, but we're gonna get it of who her parents are. And this is it could be significant or not, but I think we're gonna get it. Okay. It'd be kind of cool. Yeah, could be. You know, it could turn out that Ahsoka or some sort of Jedi that she finds through this process has something to do with her parents. I would not be surprised because I still believe there's a few Jedi running around, you know, the rebels and clone wars let us know that there's a few out there. We've seen a few um, in those cartoons, a couple of them. Well, one of them, definitely Ezra should be alive. Okay. Um, He's a pretty significant Jedi in those cartoons. Um, Ahsoka had a lot to do with him getting there in Rebels at the end. Uh, so there's some th- there's some things there they can do that could be really interesting. And there's like Ezra could be raised dad, which totally works. Like there's there's shit like that that could happen. So, anyways, isn't she the descendant of the em- the Emperor? Isn't that where they went with? I I actually could not tell you as I've completely forgotten. Yeah, so have I, actually. I need to rewatch it. I, and I can't remember if that's the stupidity of it all. That's, but anyways, uh, yeah. um, 
anyways, as we go through all this, yes. right? Um, they can retcon it. Sure. <laughs> to be fair. Why not? They can retcon it, and people will be okay with it, right? I think anything Dave Filoni and John Favreau do at this point, or over the next ten years, probably gets the blessing of everybody, and they'll be like, "Yeah, Jesus was a plumber. We're good." Everyone's just good. Yep. <laughs> no one's no one's arguing it, right? So, anyways, fantastic episode. Not the not my top episode, but certainly up there of the series. I mean, I think everyone's top episode was the last one. And I think at this point we uh, we we're determined, or we were told that the, the next step is to basically to take him to this seeing yeah. stone so, or seeing rock of some sort. Go to go to this rock and let him do his thing and where he can make the decision whether or not he's going to reach out to the Jedi to be trained. And I thought to myself, how awesome would it be if he reaches out to the dark side? Yeah. <laughs> I kept thinking this could be cool. And I'm like, well, you know, what's going to be symbolic because there'll be visualizations and the visualizations will be color coded. And I was right because they get him to this rock in the next episode, right? The tragedy, they put him on the rock. He does his thing and the light goes up blue. And I'm like, okay, still a good guy because if that light went red, it, it would have been that simple <laughs> because that's the color code for Sith and blue is for the light side. Well, and I wonder and if they, it, they were, that easy. <laughs> I wonder if they were trying to lay out the groundwork that like, well, maybe he's not a hundred percent, you know, good. And maybe there's that possibility to try to, I, I'm going to tell you, I'm still not sold that he's actually good, by the yeah, way, well. but, but because, because I feel like he was rescued by it again, not, you know, <laughs> like all the memes about him not getting slaughtered by Anakin. Are really really funny, by the way, right? Because oh, that's true because we do find out that he was trained at the was, temple. He was at the temple when shit went sideways, yeah. right? The night Anakin came in to kill everybody. And what I thought was really funny, like my favorite meme of all that, was when Anakin walks out getting turned down by the the Jedi Order to be on the council, and Grogu's like. I love you, buddy. You should have been on the council. And he, he gets back and he does the Billy Madison. He crosses off Grogu's name of, of, of uh, yeah. Pad- Padawans to kill. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and I'm like, you know, it could have been that simple. He walked in and before he pulled out his lightsaber, he grabs Grogu. Hey, can I see you in the hallway, Grogu? Yeah. Takes him outside. Hey, you should go back to your place right now. Yeah. Some stuff's going to go down. And he lets Grogu leave and then he mass kills everybody. And it could have been that simple. Go get There's your also copy the- of Goldeneye. Bring it back. We're going to play. Just go. Okay. Yeah. And it takes like 100 years there to go there because he's walked so slow. It'd be great. Fuck yeah. He's basically crawling. Yeah. So, no, it's uh, he could have been saved by Anakin. He could, like, he could have been avoided. His death could have been avoided by Anakin. That could be really cool that he, he could have that connection to the dark side. Who knows? Um, there's a lot of other Jedi that went, you know, that escaped essentially Order 66. They many of them could have potentially got a hold of him, Grogu along the way. That Jedi could have died along the way. Like the story of how Grogu was in that shell is going to be interesting, and we're gonna. I think we're gonna get it. We're gonna get a story, and it's not. I don't think we're gonna get it out of the Mandalorian. We're gonna get it from one of these other products that they're coming out with, and and we will have no idea because we never thought Mandalorian would give us the story of a Jedi. Mandalorian was we thought was always gonna be a story of a Mandalorian. So nothing to say that these other products aren't going to give us the story of Grogu getting to the point to where he was captured, right? So that, that, that filler will get there. The tragedy of this episode, quite frankly, I don't think it was the kidnapping of Grogu because we knew that was coming. The tragedy was the, de- the death of Razorclaw, the, <laughs> the death of his ship. It is officially done. They turn it into dust. 
we're not he doesn't have a ship anymore no no bones about it um which is very significant because that's kind of a very important piece of the, the product it was not a millennium falcon granted but it was certainly um significant to him and uh we don't now no longer have a ship which was also, I think, important in the storyline to make him have to start teaming up with more people as opposed to leaving everybody behind all the time, which he seemed to do a lot of. Well, yeah, and it kind of it was kind of another main character. I mean, really, in a show that yeah. only has, you know, two. Yeah, 100%. So anyways, that significantly happened. Then we get to chapter 15 when they now have to try to track down well, Rogu. Uh, and, we, and we've got Boba Fett and, uh, oh shit, what's her name? Yeah. Uh, I want to call her Mae Young because that I was know. her name in Shield. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Mulan, uh, Ming Ming Na Wen, I think is her actual name. But yeah, so she's working with uh, Boba Fett. Uh, he apparently rescued her from the first season where she got Fennec. The, Fennec, that's it. She got cut yep. in the stomach, right? And then he put her back together. Yep. Yep. So and he owes you know she owes him, and apparently they were tied together previous to that too. So we're going to get more about that later. Gotcha. Um, so they, so they come in, they help, they help, uh, they help Man- Mando, and we got to see how savage Boba Fett is, like smashing stormtroopers with his club. And, and that club think, is amazing. So the club's amazing. First of all, secondly, why do stormtroopers even wear armor? Because blasters go right through them and kill them. Um. An inanimate object cracks them and shatters them. They're basically plastic. I don't even know why the hell they wear them. Just wear white hoodies at this point. Yeah, I mean, it. it I mean, what it keeps the weather off them? Maybe I don't know. It's it's not great. It's not useful. Judging judging by the cutouts of how it works as plating, it does not protect them from the elements. It doesn't do anything. It's true. I don't. It in fact makes it easier to hit them because they're giant and white, so you can see them from further away. They're easier to target. I have completely seen no idea why these suits exist. Someone is going to have to explain to me the significance of why they are what they are and why they stay that way. Anyways, I don't know what it is. So we see Grogu gets captured. Now they have to track him down. Boba Fett kicks ass. He is, you know, Mando is working with him. They now owe debt. Uh, So it's perfect. So Boba Fett's going to help him. And now that is to me two of those most badass motherfuckers alive during this period in Star Wars yep. are all on the same side. Yep. This is awesome. And Boba Fett reminded everybody, "Oh, I still kick ass." And by the way, I kick more ass than people even thought I did because up to this point, Boba Fett was like Chuck Norris, <laughs> except we never actually saw a Chuck Norris film. Yeah. Right? He just looked we tough in the background. Him. We never saw him do anything, but apparently he was the most terrifying force <laughs> during that period of time and the best action we ever saw out of him was dying in a sarlacc pit or pushing a car a carbon uh uh han solo through a hallway yeah. like we didn't see a lot of this guy did uh unless it was in a video game so or as a child i guess we saw him but that's about it again cleaning out his dad's head <laughs> over the inside of a helmet i don't know if that's a high thing we put on the priority tree uh, but what we did see certainly was no letdown whatsoever. They recognized that he needed to live up to a hype, and he surpassed it. When you shatter the what looked like the stormtrooper's skull because of the way the helmet is, you instantly went, holy shit, this is great. <laughs> and then when his armor was fully operating, it was terrifying. 
<laughs> when he comes out with, and it was, oh my god, you made the Mandalorian look like a stormtrooper. Yeah, like so, he, he went and got it all buffed out because when he got it back, it was a little rough, but he cleaned it up pretty quick. Yeah, awesome stuff. Uh, so great, great, great aspect of things. They're all together away they go. So the next episode was, I felt at first like a bit of a filler, but then actually I watched this one a second time. This was one of the ones I watched a second time. And I really liked this one, actually. Which one was one this? This was the believer. This is when they went and rescued Bill Burr, yep. Bill Burr's character, yep. and took him to go to the base so they can get the codes to figure out where Moff Gideon's ship is. And fuck, I, I you know, the, the, there's elements in there of this episode which, you know, the, basically a breakout episode or you know whatever. They they go make their way there with the cool truck fight scene, which was kind of fun. Uh, which, which by the way, way, they just can, there must have been twelve waves of stormtroopers that just kept coming, or not? It wasn't stormtroopers. Who were coming after them? The raiders, the, the raiders, raiders yeah, or whatever they were called. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah and, and he just murdered them all. By the oh, way, oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> again, again, human life or alien life really has no value in in Star Wars lore. It doesn't matter. No, like the the planets are fully populated, and as they die, there, no there is no prison. It's just death for the bad guys. It is the Wild West, right? Um, in that respect. So, anyways, they go do their thing, make their way into the base, access the codes. You see him take his helmet off to access the codes, a willingness to help Grogu and start get breaking away from the way. Uh, but listening to the conversation that Bill Burr's character had, um, what's his? Uh, what's the? Name? I want to get it right. Uh, Mayfield. The conversation Mayfield was having with the former commanding officer and like the effect it had on the sacrifice that these humanized the stormtroopers in the sense that you know they were completely expendable the you know the upper echelon of the military of the empire were absolute assholes which we we kind of were always guessing as the bad guys anyways but this really contextualized how much of an asshole they were and how much disregard for everything they had other than power and it humanized, like I said, it humanized the stormtroopers because we, we forget that that part of the empire, they weren't clones anymore. They were people. Yeah. Right. And so it was like, wow, like that, what a, what a way. And it was a good, you know, I look forward to more Mayfield. I, I, I look forward I, to more of his character. I'm, I'm, ab- I'm absolutely glad you brought this up because I have, this was probably one of the standout episodes for me. Uh, he went from being basically a comedy bit to possibly having the most real raw his scene with that commander that confrontation that that conversation it was there was something there like it was so serious there it was so much the um you know the you know clerks they joke about like oh all the contractors that died on the death star and like you know there was all but this this actually brought like that level of like seriousness to it, yeah. And yeah. I loved it. It was I was it was like gripping. Like and then the fact that he shot him in the head, you're like, of course he did. Like that was yeah. the option. PTSD. That was the only thing he could do. His PTSD was alive and well, and the only way he was getting over it was destroying the symbol of it. And and it, it is it, the humanized nature. Like you know, there's a I can't remember if there was a an implication or, or something he was implying around like. 
you know, it wasn't that you completely sided with the everything the emperor does, the emperor, the empire was doing. It's they were who was in charge. Yep. And if you were to go work in the military, that's the side you were on. Yeah. And they have that they conversation have uh, when they're going through that planet. They're like, those people, the natives don't care. It's just these are the people that are in charge now. So for them, it didn't matter. And, and, and yeah, his very significant, his bit there at the table. And then that paired with the Mandalorian, which up to this point had only taken his helmet off once. And that was because he was about to die and it was to a droid. So for him to take off the helmet and, and, and do the face scan was like such a like, well, that's that's like for him, that is like the biggest deal, the, the biggest thing he could do. I mean, other than sacrificing his life for, you know, the child. So it was that was so impactful. And then that combined with the, the Mayfield scene, I, I it, there was that. And then there was one other spot. I don't know if it was this episode or not, but there was a mention of um, I think it was this episode because I think he's talking to Cara Dune and, and there was a mention of the Death Star blowing up and she says, which one? And the person she's talking to, I can't remember if it's him or not, basically, you know, says like, well, yeah, you know, you can make fun of it all you want, but there was thousands of people died that day. Like they're really, it was him. Yeah. yeah. They're really bringing that, like um, that seriousness to it. And I, I loved it. I very much appreciated it. And I was surprised that he was the character that it came from, but I think he did a phenomenal job. I think this episode was, was great for what it did. Yeah, no, I think I love this episode. I, like I said, I was worried it was going to be a filler episode, and it ended up being a lot of rich content for all of the characters that we needed to have the content for. We needed Kara got some out of this, um, Fennec got some out of this, Mayfield got tons out of this. You know, Mandalorian got a lots of progress, uh, his character as well as evolution, because th- this is like they're up against it, and they're making a big move here that could have dire consequences, like. Where they go next to go rescue Grogu could go wrong and they all could die because they're going to fucking Moff Gideon's ship, which clearly things are way more empire-ish than they thought. So there's a lot happening here. The realization that the empire, although they're fallen, they're not fallen as far as people think they are. They're still quite alive and well in some cases, um, and they're still doing a lot of horrific things. So there's a lot of revelations in this. I, I thought it was a very significant episode, more so... This this had more of um, moving a story than a filler, sure. which was good because I, I was skeptical at the beginning of this episode, like, oh, no, not another filler episode. Like It felt like it was going to be another slow burn as we go to something else, and I was glad it wasn't because then this led wonderfully, I thought, into the rescue, which, quite frankly, not just because of the last two minutes, overall, I thought this was an amazing episode. Go on. Well, I love the fact that it was it was it was the mission to rescue Grogu. So you got all the elements of like this is going to be action action driven, mm-hmm. and it was the whole thing was action driven. Mm-hmm. They get the conf- you get the confrontation to him and Moff Gideon. You got the dark so the dark troopers, which I kind of liked that they were the threat of them. Then they managed to get rid of them, and then they actually came back in the episode later. At the I thought it was perfect how they come back because they are fucking droids. So yeah, because when when they get sucked, they get sucked out. I was like, wow, that seems kind of quick and painless. Yeah, 
And so they bring them back with, hey, guess what? They're not actually dead. And then you're like, oh, shit. How are we going to deal with these things? Because we, we get one scene of him fighting one. It took everything he had to get rid of one. And that was a room of like 50 or 60 of them. Yeah. So it was like, holy shit. Like these things are going to fuck us up. So I love the scaling they did of that. Like they gave us the scale of what those things were to deal with, which I also think is way more significant later. Um, so we had that element. We had him doing whatever he could to ref- rescue Grogu. So the epiphany, you know, the epiphany of their relationship is now full and clear. Like, you know, this, he he he's doing everything he can for this kid. Um, so the the coming of age of him progressing as a character to not be self indulgent and all hooked up on the way he's hooked now he's he's thinking bigger than that he's thinking outside of that helmet essentially for lack of better terms we get the little bits of things i think scenes i couldn't care about like the funny things about cara dune's gun like she had to fuck up with the gun like shit like that i didn't need but whatever it was moving story along trying to keep things light Dis- disney-ish right yeah you gotta remember disney does own it hey. uh and so I, yeah. I think we also this was the episode where we filled in a lot of the uh, the dark saber stuff and uh, yeah. uh, Bo-Katan's uh, her plight, like her, I, her fight for for wanting to run Mandalore essentially, and yeah, basically, they basically put Mandalore back together. Yeah, like she she wanted this to put Mandalore back together. No other reason. That's that's what this was all about. So episode progresses. They he ends up beating Moff Gideon. Um, Thank God he got that staff earlier on yep, yep. of pure Beskar, because in other words, he was dead. Um, so anyways, he gets that. He he rescues the child, you know, Grogu. They retreat back to you know the bridge. I loved all the like how that all came together, how they managed to secure the bridge. And then it was all of a sudden the fucking dark <laughs> the dark troopers. And it was awesome because I'm like, you're fucked. And I, I thought to myself, I really where the episode went. I didn't think was going to happen. I got scared. So, and then unfortunately my fears paid off. So why, why would, okay. So what we're, we're alluding to your folks, if you haven't watched the episode is the rescue is ultimately not rescue of grow. It's the rescue of Grogu, but not necessarily by the group of everybody we've got. They're trapped. They're there that all of a sudden you see in the, the bridge, all of a sudden an X wing flies by. And yes, the only person that's operating a fucking X-Wing on their own that's going to come there that was potentially related to the Force is going to be Luke Skywalker. And he was in badass mode. And he went through in badass mode and wiped everybody the fuck out, which was amazing to see him because we haven't actually seen him at the height of his powers. Jedi, Return of the Jedi was the closest, but which is cool is now we get a period of time of how much of a badass he actually could be with the force. And we're getting to see it firsthand. So we're watching him rip through these dark, dark troopers and they kept it. Mark Hamill, they CGI item made a young looking Mark Hamill and they use that. And Grogu 100% was fucking thrilled to, well, no, was okay to see him, but more significantly was thrilled to see R2D2 which filled another plot hole potentially we might get later is it might turn out the droids were the ones who rescued Grogu. It might've been R2-D2 who ultimately rescued him. Who knows? Or or a collection of droids and R2 was the one to to take him further because he looked like fucking Yoda. Because when you watch this thing happen, 
or R2-D2 and Grogu, although we didn't get to hear what they said, they were extremely excited to see each other, both of them. And we know that because R2-D2 has the ability to display emotions, and we got the beep beep boop beep thing he does. And he was very excited. Yeah. I mean, so the that, child likes shiny things, though, too. So there's also that. <laughs> Stop trying to minimize it. That was a cool scene that's going to have more significance later, particularly when they're making a series called Droids. Got sneaking suspicion that might have something to do with that one. Okay. Um, maybe not. But but I, I personally, I thought it was fucking amazing to see them give us this Luke. And they're not going to be scared to give us pieces of Luke through this period of time that we might even get to understand how the fuck he ended up on that island remotely and we might get the culmination of a sequence of events when shit went sideways up to the or up to the part they might even not give us everything they might give us some stuff to the point of when he's off trying to train the next generation of Jedi that we don't need to know anymore because we know what happens with that based on the story of the new films that we were given. So it, we might get a bit and pieces of him. I don't think it's going to be a lot, but I think the interjection of him may exist from time to time, which I think is great because there's no way you can do the period of time between Return of the Jedi and Force Awakens across this galaxy without this motherfucker popping in and out every once in a while. It's fucking Luke Skywalker. It's just, he's, and if The Force Awakens and um, The Rise of Skywalker, all those things, they reminded us that he was legendary status in the fucking galaxy by those movies, which means he had to do some shit for people to know who he was. And the Death Star was one thing, but you kind of had to keep yourself relevant. So he obviously does that. So bits and pieces of that along the way, I don't want a full series. I don't want a full show. I don't even want a full movie. But bits and pieces are great just to help keep it all alive. Keep it, keep it, keep it significant. Why were you disappointed that it was him? Uh, I think it was a terrible mistake. Uh, I think this brings the, the series down a point or two for this season. I think it would have been higher for me. Uh, a few reasons. One, I enjoyed the show not relying on any characters or even really involving any characters directly from any of the major films. I think it's a mistake to do that because if you have, I'm not using his name. If you have the child uh, being taken off by Luke and in theory, some training or something down the road, either that is a non important fact and that's why there's no hint or mention or clue of it happening in the future movies or it, it, it it's it's it makes the the movies look bad no 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 come on the, the movies okay listen the movies we get the understanding that ben solo and his knights of ren fucked up everything Luke did and killed everybody associated to it other than Luke. So Grogu could have been killed in that for all we know have or have left the fort, whatever the case may be. We know there's a point in time when whatever Luke is doing, we get to pick up 
we get to pick up from him trying to teach people the the, the force and and re- reinstate the Jedi order, and we get Ben Solo fucking that up, carrying forward. So we 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 know where that point in the sand is. What we're getting is stuff prior to that. So I don't think it makes it insignificant. I think what you're doing is you're getting to fill a period of time of significance of what was he up to. I I think it would be a much bigger mistake if we go through this period and we get all these stories and Luke had fuck all to do with any of these major stories because if he didn't then what the fuck was he up to? Well, and and how is that significant? I mean, even up, up until this season the Mandalorian didn't know what Jedi were, didn't know who Luke was. Right. So and and years and years had passed that Luke had destroyed one Death Star, had been a part of a second, you know, Death Star, had killed Vader or the Emperor. So if if the people on the ground basically don't know who that is, why is it is it not possible that they could carry on their lives and never know who that is? Hundred percent. So I guess for me, I I enjoyed the aspect of this was a different part of the universe. This was its own thing. I don't necessarily mind it connecting to the animated shows because they're not uh, maybe not as well known or not as big budget. This maybe gives well, they're also not live action. So this gives an option to live action some of those characters. So you have that. The other problem is I don't know who was responsible for the the special effects. It looked terrible. It looked like some high school kid pasted somebody else's face on someone else's body. It was moving around and shit. And when he talked, it barely moved. And it was the wrong face. It was the face from before he had the car accident. So it didn't even look like he did in Return of the Jedi. It just looked so fucking bad. And as soon as I saw him and they covered his face, I said, okay, maybe they won't show his face. They're going to keep it off. Whatever. That's fine. And then they didn't. And I was like, oh, my God, this is atrocious. Like, it it was bad. I thought it was terrible. And and for a show that is so good looking and, and the special effects are so on point, it, that stuck out so bad to me. And for such an important character, I don't know. I, I thought it was I, I thought it was it was not good. Well, the face CGI alone, just just the moment of the face CGI I get was was rough. The um the fighting, his fighting was amazing. Yes. I liked to see it. I thought it was cool. I loved how symbolic it was to re- replicate the Vader aspect thing we got in Rogue One. That's exactly I what it was. That. It was them filling in the same hole they filled in with Vader, yeah. And I, and I loved it. I, I didn't have a problem with that. I knowing the characters that we knew, okay, here's 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 why. I think it had to be Luke or it had to be Ezra from the rebel series. See, I would have taken that. Cause I don't even know who that okay. is. Here, here's, here's why at this point in the universe, right? At this point in the galaxy, there's very few Jedi. There's Ahsoka, right? Who she's made it very clear. She's not going to do shit with him. So he needs to reach out to somebody else, which makes sense. And I'm glad they did that because Ahsoka had strayed so far away from the Jedi order and approach the gray and the middle and all she can't train anybody and that that held true so everything that she did in rebels and, and clone wars wasn't forgotten they held on to that which i think was very very good but in doing so they needed somebody else she's aware of the fact 
that Luke Skywalker exists. She knows that. She knows Luke Skywalker's a thing. She knows that he's Anakin's kid. She know she knows this shit. Okay, because she was buddies with An- Obi Wan Kenobi. She knows who Anakin is. Um, she she has fought Darth Maul when he came back, which happens in the Clone Wars and Rebels. He gets his legs back together. Darth Maul's got a motherfucking brother named Savage Opress. Like, there's some shit that makes a lot of sense. So the significance of all this isn't to be, I guess, minimized. Okay. It, so, is Luke in any so of the animated in, shows? I f- don't recall seeing him, but the time period he would have been a child. Okay, fair. Yep. So he would have been a kid, right? Because right? it's all beforehand. Yep. Okay. No, that's right. Because ah- Ahsoka is about twenty years older than Luke, give or take, somewhere around that range. So just to give a time frame, okay. And Ezra would be maybe ten years older than Luke. So closer, but less significant in the power of the Force, obviously. Now, granted, with that being said, there's not a lot of Jedi around, right? Very little, if not next to none. There's there's probably less than a dozen in this entire... So if he is calling out on this beacon, which he got like a significant 20 minutes of like throwing the Homan signal out across the Force, you know, people are going to pick that up. Doesn't it make sense that the most powerful Jedi is the most likely the one to pick it up? The guy who happens to have the mobility in an X-Wing to go out and do shit, who happens to be fighting with against the Empire and trying to shut down what's left of them. Like all of this logistically makes sense that he's the guy to answer that call. It, it makes the most sense that he answers that call because that was actively what he was doing in the galaxy at that time. In fact, I think it would be more disappointing if it wasn't him because it would be like, how the fuck is he the main dude for the force right now? If he didn't pick up that distress signal, the motherfucker had it going for 20 minutes. That 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 would make no sense at all, actually. That means that other Jedi more powerful than him are hanging around, and they're the ones that responded? I, I'd actually have a bigger problem with that. I think him responding makes sense. He's the supreme Jedi that's left right now. He responds to take Gold Grogu to kind of, kind of train him. We know that is something he did try to do during between Jedi and Force Awakens was he did try to train Jedi. So that matches what we've been told. I don't need much more than a quick display of, hey, he kicks ass. Hey, he's taking him to train him. Because I think what happens now is that we're not going to see Grogu again. I don't know when we see Grogu again. We aren't going to see Luke again in Mandalorian. Because what's going to happen with the Mandalorian is exactly what should happen, is that him, Bo-Katan, Boba Fett, three distinct different factions of the Mandalorian society are now going to go back and try to get their planet back, which is going to be really unique how that fucking plays out. And the opportunity for them, if they go to Mandalore or make their journey towards Mandalore, to engage other characters in that story arc, like the Ezra Bridgewaters, et cetera, or uh, is it Bridgewater? Yeah. Um, have them, Bridger, sorry, have them get into the story would be even cooler. It makes more sense for them to be at that stage. If Ezra was to come up and all of a sudden have something to do with Grogu, we're going to have this little thing walking around all the time that is insignificant. It's gonna, he's so far from being trained to be active that it would slow down anything we got with Ezra. Now that we've taken this little, and I, I mean, I liked him, but he's also a bit of an anchor. So now that we've taken him out of the show, the show can progress into another phase in the universe, universe of significance. 
and I think it was really important. So Luke having him allows it to go away, and we know it's going to get handled. We we like to know stuff about Luke's gap, but we don't need to know it. And I think this allows the show to keep moving forward and not be dependent on the Jedi. So having it tie into the old was cool, but also it allows it to operate in parallel with the stuff that's happening that's Jedi orientated, which I actually thought would be more down the line of what you would like to see. I don't know. I just, I, it's my, my fault. My last question really was where does it go now? Because my, we've got two seasons of basically one structure. It goes to Mandalore, the introduction of Bo-Katan, the history of the planet delving into the, you know, the alt-right type movement that raised him, the siege of Mandalore, the, you know, the, the originators of the Mandalorian, uh, the keepers of that, like with Boba Fett's family gene line and like, all the ties that that's going to have together to go free their planet, it's going to be really unique how that happens. Um, and, and that could be the mission that needs to occur, which is a culmination of storylines from Clone Wars, from Rebels, and from Mandalorian. And it, it can be in a really cool space. So I think that makes a lot of sense. And then the Ahsoka storyline, depending where they place that, could brush up into this one because she had dealings with Bo-Katan quite heavily. Or it might not. I don't know where the Ahsoka timeline is going to fit, personally. And do we know for sure that there is a, a third season of The Mandalorian happening? Yes, yes. It's been greenlit. So I think we're going to get the Mandalorian aspect of things now. In fact, the Grogu thing, the child, was significant for the development of this Mandalorian character that allows it to move forward where they're going. But I, I think you had to drop this child. It had It had to come out of the series. So I like it going out to Luke because I don't have the expectation that we get a lot of Luke. The expect because I, I, I accept the fact that he died in the new films. It's going to be a challenge to CGI him, so they're going to limit it as much as they can. He's they, it's great to know he's present in this timeline, um, but I don't think it's going to. I, I looked at it this way: visualize it. Remember the scene in Infinity War in Endgame where they're getting the stones, and the Ancient One. You know, draws out the timeline, and the and and Banner's trying to explain how to jump back in the timeline, and there's like this thread, right, in all the stones. I kind of look at the Star Wars universe as this thread of Skywalker. Okay, now I know we're going to get out of that thread, but but currently, what we've got from New Hope to you know, or or you can say you know, Episode One right. to uh, the very end of. It, it's a threat of Skywalker, right? And so everything we're getting is either things that brush up against that thread every once in a while, operate right in that thread, or operate in parallel, like Rogue One, right? So it's in there. But even then, it still touches that with Vader. So it all kind of bounces around that. And until you get out of that time period, I, I kind of like the fact that it, it revolves around this thread. When you get out of that time period... Um, then it's going to be a whole different conversation. And that's where they're going with the books, with the Old Republic and that kind of stuff, or the High Republic, whatever it was called. And there's going to be some new movies that are probably going to take place prequel mentality, like before this period of time in the galaxy or whatever the case may be. And we're going to get to that. But I think as long as you're in this space, these things have to brush up against this most significant happening in the galaxy. Well, we're... Pressing up here on two hours, I guess we should probably touch on the the after credit scene on the last episode, which leads into the second spinoff of the series. 
<laughs> which was uh, a nice throwback uh, that they didn't have to worry about CGI faces because it was all uh, costume work or what have you. But uh, we have Boba Fett and Fennec coming back to Jabba the Hutt's lair palace, whatever you want to call it, from uh, Return of the Jedi. And just basically killing everybody and taking the throne. Jabba becoming essentially yep. the head gangster running the show. Yeah, which makes sense because that's ultimately where we found Boba Fett in the beginning, right? Yeah. And we have, uh, at this point, looks like Fennec is at his side. Not necessarily in a relationship way, more of a number two kind of thing. But uh, And we don't know what that actually is going to culminate in yet. Like He could have just got revenge and sat on the chair for a moment of, fuck you. We don't know if that's him actually taking over. He's now going to be the supreme gangster. Um, we don't know. And, and I'm, I can't wait to figure out what we're going to get for the Boba Fett story of do we get it when he came out of the Sarlacc pit up into Mandalorian? I, or do we get after Mandalorian? I think just based on the title, the book of Boba Fett, I think is what they're going with. That to me sounds like it's going to be what, the first thing, which is where we left him originally yeah. and how he got up to now maybe it'll be yeah. both maybe it'll be he gets pooped out of the starlight yeah well maybe it'll be up to this point and then some forward depending on how long they decide to run the show for i guess well and that's the thing the book above effect can be depending like i, I can just see there's got to be a whiteboard somewhere with like logos of how they weave this across a timeline because it's the only way i can see i know they did that with um the marvel universe and they still are doing it with the Marvel Universe. So I'm assuming they're doing the same with Star Wars. And I could see that the book of Bob Fett might have like a before Mandalorian uh, intersect with Mandalorian and then post, you know, maybe it teams up and threads out as the Mandalorian arc finishes. Maybe the book of Bob Fett finishes in the same arc. Like I could see it'd be very significant, really, when you think about it, if Bob Fett dies freeing mandalore very significant if that's the case because he's the first clone son of an original mandalorian that broke away from tradition so at the end of the day he's the one that comes back to free mandalore that would be amazing like that's that's a, that's a that's an arc of boba fett or the fett family that would be really really cool because then they would have this significant piece in this universe that isn't a skywalker well, and they're definitely like planting the seeds of the whole like the legacy of his father and and how he that you know that armor belongs to him due to, to his rights as as his son, and and just his place in being a, a, a clone, but not an accelerated clone, a naturally aged clone. So he's got that baggage, and they call that out in this. Uh, I think uh, Bo-Katan calls it out because she recognizes the voice. And which neat about that, the Bad Batch is going to be a story about some of the stormtroopers, the cloners that were sorry, clone troopers that you know are fighting against sixty six, and, and they were some characters that were in and out through the cartoons. And it would be kind of cool if they come up into Boba Fett at some point in time because they're going to look the same. Yeah. So that could be really cool if they pull that off, which they can pull that off better than they can pull off CGI, right? So um, that could be kind of neat. There's some neat shit that can happen. Um, 
I, I like where this went. I like. I think you can't operate in this space without brushing up against the force every once in a while. It doesn't have to be huge. Rogue One taught us that. Solo taught us that. Um, in fact, did Solo have any use of the force? To be honest with you, I couldn't. I don't even know. I, I, I couldn't remember so, much of that. <laughs> so most people yeah. don't. Um, and and who knows where these things thread? You know, I, I'm. There are some titles that I'm very excited to see. Ahsoka, the Obi Wan Kenobi stuff. I want to see where Mandalorian storyline goes now because now I'm invested in these characters deeper. Um, you know, I do want to see how this Empire thing plays out. How does the Empire? become the first order i think we're going to get that i think i think we're going to get this transition from empire to dark order which would be cool because we went from empire not having a lot left kind of falling apart to all of a sudden we get this first order that seems bigger than the empire in the first place i wouldn't mind to figure out how the hell that happened i think we might be able to get some of that so there's a big like i said the big gap of space here lots to play in i think mandalorian is a great starting point where it lies in the timeline not a thousand percent sure like all we get to know significantly is you know luke we know we know luke's done his thing he's still out there rocking the dark uh you know his black wear head to toe his gucci shit with his green <laughs> saber still rocking the x-wing which apparently he <laughs> keeps forever um so you know we're working we work out a bit of a timeline there. Ahsoka help us figure a few things out timeline wise. So it, it'll be easier to make sense of when this stuff is all happening. When uh, we start getting more pieces to fill in to, to, to sequentially start putting it together. And I guess my next step is I got to dive into it. the Clone Wars and uh, Rebels, I guess get some context. It's worth. There's a lot of seasons there, dude. Um, so it's totally worth looking up like significant episodes to watch and, and it would just, it'll, it'll do what, what it is you're looking to have it do. Cool. So I think they've got it down to something like 15 episodes that you need to watch, which isn't huge. And since you have Disney, Disney plus, you can just go watch these episodes. That's right. Yes. Uh, no, I do think it was an improvement. Absolutely. I do. I do think there was still some trappings from the first season's formatting and, and things like that, which we touched on. But yes, I do think it was it was definitely an improvement. We have uh, mixed feelings on the on the finale, but you know, I think the next season could change my mind on things as well, depending on how things go. So I guess we'll see. I guess, I'm assuming it's end of 2021, probably. I don't know if we've heard any dates yet. Fucking COVID. Yeah, I don't know. It's tough to tell with everything. Bit by bit, day by day. But anyways, I'm glad I'm, I'm glad you watched it. I'm glad you got your Disney Plus back, and you got your Disney Plus back just in time because we're what one week away from WandaVision. Yeah, yeah, I think a week today, right? That's the the fifteenth. Yeah, week today. So we're a week away from WandaVision getting started, and then all of a sudden we'll start getting more Marvel content, right? Yeah, I think we have a show pretty much every two months coming out. I think is the plan, or every two two and a half, three months, something like that. It's yeah, it's pretty much back to back to back. And who knows what they're going to do with uh, Black Widow, the movie, right? Yep. We're not, nothing's really been set in stone with what they're going to do yet. So we might end up with that on Disney Plus too. We shall see. Alrighty. Well, that was, uh, we actually, you know, to be fair, we're actually closer on a lot of these things than I thought, uh, to be honest. So we're not as far off as I was expecting. Uh, 
I felt like we would be close on this one. I knew I knew you just you just couldn't be happy with Luke. I knew you wouldn't be. Well, what do you want from me? I don't know. Like for you, you would have preferred Vader and he was dead. I'm saying I would have preferred somebody I didn't know already. That's all I'm saying. My concern, if it was someone we didn't know, is it opens more questions than answers. And I think this Grogu story needed to be a little more closure as opposed to questions. Well, see, I think maybe that's the thing. Like you, you, you are under the impression that it should his he's done his storyline essentially with the Mandalorian is done. Move on to something else. Whereas my mentality was, well, that's the show. And I think this is the big difference between us is having watched the you know other people might have this opinion, having watched Rebels and Clone Wars. When I get the Mandalorian, I have an idea what that should kind of be operating in. And Grogu was a bit of an offshoot. That that was actually a thorn in the side for what should have been Mandalorian-ish. And then it, now it made more sense of the progression of our Mandalorian into the bigger story of Mandalore and the characters that operate in that space. And Grogu needs to exit that strategy. He needs to be pulled out of that for it to progress uh, further. So, it, so the, I walked into it with that mentality. Whereas, exactly what you just said, for you, Grogu was important to the Mandalorian story because that's all you had. I don't feel like the character is significant enough to live outside of those first two seasons. I don't think it will be. I don't think, and I don't think it ever was designed to be. It'd be great if there was like a cut scene and it's just the X-wing flying away and Grogu just fucking falls off and just goes into space and that's it. It's the last anybody ever sees him. I think it's going to be even better if it's like a cut scene of him trying to do some sort of Jedi trial and he accidentally cuts himself in half with a lightsaber. Like, just like he's just the useless Jedi. No one talked about the fact that he was the guy that just kept cleaning the floor every day at the Jedi Academy. They didn't let him do anything. You can't all be winners. I mean, he probably got in because he was related to Yoda. Look how he walked. He clearly isn't a fighter. Even Yoda had better steps than him. <laughs> so I'm just saying, like, you know. Or he, he's Ben Solo's first training accident. Like, I don't know. Oh, ben, Solo kills, ben Solo kills him when he's seven. Hides it. Like, I don't know. Like, I think there's lots of things that can happen to this guy. But what we do know is that Grogu doesn't make it outside of this period of time. He has no significance inside The Force Awakens. He's the, And if he did, if he had any significance at all in that t- period of time, you, you couldn't not reference it. So that's what I'm saying. Like, we, so we, I, I think know, it, it, he's got a wall he's going to come up against. So something happens in his life before that wall, whatever it is, man, like he might just quit being a Jedi. He didn't exactly seem overly committed. <laughs> like he didn't really want to get trained. So true. he might just be like, fuck this shit. I'm going to go eat some eggs. Yeah. It just goes to a planet. That's just eggs. It'll be yeah, fine. Yeah. I, I, I liked it. So I, I hopefully, with that perspective in mind, when you watch the cartoon, maybe you can see the, where I'm coming from. I can completely see where you're coming from, having not seen those. If it was just yeah. a standalone piece, I could be like, what the fuck now, right? But I'm to me, it's exciting to bigger things, if they go there. That's the good thing that we both came at this from different angles. I think we can, we can explore it from different sides. But there's no doubt about it. If this is the caliber of product we're going to get with these... The John Favreau's, Dave Filoni's, the Dallas Hayward's, the Peyton Reed's, all those folks playing in the space, working with this property. There's nothing but great things ahead for us, I think, in terms of Star Wars. I agree. Cool, man. That's our episode, folks. Thanks for hanging out for, what, a couple hours? 
if you have different opinions, uh, you can certainly send them to us if you want. Uh, can't guarantee we'll read them, but we'll try. Or keep them to yourselves. The same amount of impact it'll have on me. Jesus. <laughs> I was about to lead into our social uh, media, but I know how much you love that. Uh, well, I'll look at it. If you uh, if you want to hit us up or follow us, we're at uh, on Twitter. We're Happy Zen Podcast. On Instagram, Happy Zen Podcast. Uh, or happyzen.com is the website with all the episodes and all the show information. And what I love is you have now inserted the stuff around our sponsors, so there's no forgetting it anymore, which is great. And it sounds so professional, by the way. Kudos for doing that. Next episode, we may be able to talk a little bit about WandaVision, so that'll be exciting. 100%. Great, folks. Be safe out there. Later.